0: Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Let's go watch it in 2D. No, let's go watch it in 3D. But if we watch it in 3D, then is it worth the cost?
1: 20 years ago, you erased my parents' memories, but you didn't get mine.
2: You really think a black suit is going to solve all your problems? No, but looks damn good on you.
0: Welcome to the Men in Black. You will be with Agent H. How do I look? That looks like you don't know how to use a button. He's just so yummy. My queen, I pledge loyalty to you. I'm not interested. Come on. You want to do this? Let's go. Move
1: and I'll obliterate this entire island. You don't think we should have spoken about this before I just get all
0: speech? Men in Black. Welcome to our Men in Black International Spoiler Cast. So if you haven't seen the movie or you don't care about spoilers, continue on, but this is your warning. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Okay, so, um, we, you know, just to give a quick rundown of the 3D, just in case you weren't listening to the 3D section, you know... There's a little bit of a, a kind of, um, Krista likes it, but not it wasn't good enough that, to give it a good. And Jake liked it a little more to give it a good. Um, is there any spoilery scenes that you, where you want to talk about the 3D element? Uh, the To me,
2: some of the best 3D was uh, the Eiffel Tower scenes when the Eiffel Tower was lit up. It looked really nice, and there was a scene where uh, Agent H goes undercover to go gamble, and there's a great pop-out with a three-headed blue snake that they're kind of playing this kind of Russian roulette game where they stick their hand in this basket to get a card out of the basket without getting bit by the snake, and that was a nice, but they were too few of them and and too little of it to be, It's a shame um, if uh, um, Gary Gray, um, you know, shot this for 3D and did a good job, but the conversion just wasn't that great.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I did like the the floating sequence. I didn't really put context to why she was floating there. She's floating in a, in a, like a... I guess it's like a portal from the hive or something like a tunnel in space or not really sure. Uh, And it's like very cloudy and misty and she's floating towards this like tentacle creature. And I, I like the 3d in that. I don't like the fact that they cut away to like show the other people talking that are like talking over the, the scene. They didn't need to cut away and actually show those scenes with just the audio it would have been fine. Yeah. And personally I thought she was gonna like make it all the way to that that, that uh creature and do something to the creature, but
2: that's not what happened. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, this movie took a lot of weird dramatic turns that didn't work. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I like, agree. Yeah. But they built up they uh, they built up the relationship between Agent H and uh, Riza, and, and that was a big nothing. Yeah.
0: So let's get to the plot. Um, the plot, you know, the movie begins with like a scene with a you know young girl and um, the parents, and they're having an argument. You don't know what's going on, and um, there's like a there's like oh the men in black come by, and then they interview the parents. And the kid is watching it, and over the you know window, and then she sees an alien, but um, the men in black don't neuralize her, and the alien is grateful, and then leaves. It's a good little blue, kind of it's a cute little thing. I don't know what it, um, how to describe it. How do you describe that blue alien creature baby one version, Krista? Ah.
1: Uh one episode of Jimmy Neutron where they have a bunch of cute aliens that then become
0: monsters? Nope.
1: (laughs) Well, that is a very lowbrow reference, but it's basically that. It's basically like a cute little Furby type of a baby alien thing. And they they reference it will become a killer later on. Um, But, you know, Molly, Molly is just like helping it escape the men in black, basically. And she's like, uh nice to it or whatever.
0: Now I thought this was actually really sloppy of the men in black to not if they already knew that there was a little girl, why not go just double check, you know? I don't know.
1: I guess they were like the the girl's asleep in the, the whatever. It's just a way to get her to know about it without being neuralized.
2: You know uh, it's a it's a plot contrivance. It's the probably the least problem this
0: movie has.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we we get a time jump, and she's now you know her age, and she's now obsessed with the uh, you know aliens and getting using like her company computer to try to hack it, and she works at a call center, and she apparently tried to you know work for the FBI and CIA and such. But no one wants her. That you know, she's like, I want to be part of the secrets, you know, thing, and everyone thinks she's crazy. And then, yeah. Um. Eventually, there's a hit about aliens, and she has to like, she just leaves work um, because she's like hacking the telescope of a, a or something like that, right?
2: Hmm. Yeah. She could have had a because even the time I'm, I'm in the theater going, if she had, if if she could have toned down her Fox Mulder Act, she would have had ten times the amount of money to do her alien hunt. I mean, Right. If
1: she had just like, like, (laughs) if she had just like, been in the FBI or the CIA, she would have had so many more resources. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) Instead of being a minimum wage mixed slave for some call center.
0: So um, that's when she, you know, figures out about the men in black and finds like a cloaked area and the cloaked area, you know, they, aliens comes back and they're not supposed to come back. And she, you know, gets a suit and gets a cabbie and like goes into the men in black headquarters pretending she knows what's going on. And, you know, you get a nice call back to like the original movie with, you know, mm-hmm. the big. I guess it's like a hallway with just like one guy Mm -hmm. sitting there Mm -hmm. and the dog who's who is a regular
2: in the old series voiced by the same guy and I love it. She thinks she snuck in and they knew all along that was a, that was a nice bit.
0: Yeah. The the pug dog. Yeah. That is there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they arrest her and then they're ready to neuralize her. But then, you know, she has an interview and then, she explains herself, and apparently she really has to prove herself still. And uh, Krista mentioned this in her review that it really seems very sexist that she had she proved that they exist, she found them out, she did all this stuff, and they're still I don't know, maybe you yeah. should be part of this. Yeah
1: And whereas like Will Smith's character, he just like randomly chased down an alien and, and he gets recruited.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. You got that right, Chris.
1: <laughs> Whereas, like, she's like, we're, there's even a character in the film who is like, you know, we should hire her. <laughs> and, and Agent O is still like, maybe, I don't know.
2: Uh Exactly. <laughs> of course, maybe they decided, okay, if something's rotten in uh, London, we'll just send her. And if she gets killed, it's not like we lost a real agent.
1: Yeah, that's what I... I was wondering, like, why do you send, like, a random probie agent instead of,
2: like, someone you trust? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, just, she's... yeah, you've been wearing a black shirt, but a suit, but you're a red shirt.
0: <laughs> so we then get a scene with uh, Agent H, and, like, he's trying to get, a like, a weapon or something, from another alien and he's pretending not to be part of the MIB and his cover's blown and then he has to like rescue um or like one of the aliens takes a drug and the um so does he and the alien the other alien female alien I think um is like oh you have to rescue one of us but if you rescue me I'll give you anything you want and then we cut and we see that she wanted to have yeah. with him Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth is in uh, his male Marilyn Monroe slapstick form, and yeah. he's hilarious. There was really no point to that other than the punchline. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, H is back in headquarters, and um, he's just sleeping at his office, not really doing much. And, you know, agent M um, wants to be part of this and like, Oh, you know, we heard about a new thing that's going on. Um, you know, I, I want to be part of this because, you know, there's a new alien in town and he needs to be guarded. And because, you know, and H is like, yeah, I know him. I'm going to, I could do this, but I don't need help. But then they get to him and it's like, Oh, I'm an expert on this alien species. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, is there like a time jump here where she's been here for like three weeks? Because I thought it was all like the same day.
1: Yeah, no, she's she's lying out of her. Ass. She's not an expert. She's just trying to impress him. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, we also see at, it's kind of hard to catch, but we see the smoke creatures are going to kill the guy that they're guarding. Like they they have the scene with the the, the chest set. At a live chess set, and are like, we need this guy killed, basically.
0: Yeah, and like the, the alien smoke thing, I guess we'll call them nebula creatures, or nebula aliens, because that's what they look like. Um, is that mm-hmm. fine with y'all?
2: Yeah. 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 I don't and remember they're those portrayed names. by a pair of French dancers, and they don't utilize their real-life skills once in this movie.
0: Ah. Uh. That's so, yeah. They're, they're, two, they're two guys that are, and then they could turn into the nebula creatures whenever, and then they could like suck people into their. I don't know. It was kind of weird what powers these aliens had, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
2: weren't really well defined. I mean, they're only, they just, oh, they're twins.
1: And they, like, turn things from liquid into solid. And, like, when we first meet them, they, like, melted a dude and then, like, took his face. Which, like, mm-hmm. if you have the ability to take people's faces, I would have expected them to, like, take people's other faces at some point, but they didn't do that.
2: hmm Yeah. And they made no reference of why they took this one guy's face and why they didn't take anybody else's.
0: So we, you know, we get to the this club... And uh, the club has the alien that they're gonna, you know, keep track of, and you know, M is is actually aware that she's, you know, uh, senses that people are gonna try to kill her or kill the alien, and H is just like whatever, let's just have fun, and you know, uh, we're the men in black, but let's put our hair down and you know, un- you know, undo a button in our sh- shirts, and you know, just relax. And, um, he's
1: he's he's supposedly friends with this alien, and they've done a bunch of shenanigans together. So he's just like, "I'm gonna be drunk and party." And this alien is like, "No, I need to tell you something. Listen to me." And and M meanwhile knows something is wrong in the club, and is like, "Listen to me." And H is just ignoring both of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, and at this point in the movie, I'm like, "Okay, either this car- either this guy has always been a bumbling idiot." Or he's been neuralized so many times that he's been turned into a bumbling idiot. yeah I
1: did not get I did not get that twist until till it was revealed when when he's like, why am I repeating myself? Uh, I did not get that. I thought what had happened was something along the lines of he royally f- up during his big hero moment and he had covered for him and his royal like basically like the way he's been acting is because he doesn't believe he deserves that hero title
2: oh I was thinking either he'd been neuralized and it changed his personality or he was always a f- <laughs> and he just got hero status because they could control him Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they have, like, multiple lives throughout, like, the, the, the beginning of the movie where, like, people are like, you've changed, or, like, it was that guy who was the hero, you're not the hero anymore, and, like, like that, and I'm like,
2: they're kind of hitting us over the head with this plot yeah. point. uh-huh, and the whole thing with him and C, they were trying to set up Agent C to be uh, the bad guy. But, like, he was just like the annoying office coworker. Yeah, yeah he's actually the competent c- co worker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he has a line, like, in the very beginning. He's like, Are we supposed to be protecting the Earth instead of protecting the.
0: A bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we do eventually get to the scene where those nebula aliens kill. Or or have a big fight with uh, the MMB. And it's actually a pretty cool fight. Like, they ripple the the street and none of their weapons work. And, like, they keep finding weapons in cars, which is, like, kind of ridiculous, but kind of fun.
1: And that was the fight that was, like, prominently featured in the trailer, which is why I thought the movie was going to be good. But, like, that's the only time it's good.
0: (laughs) So the, the, the target is is actually killed, and um, M gets a doohickey, a, like a little purple spherical, not spherical, cube thing? I don't know.
1: Yeah, the blue alien guy passes it along, and he tells her, you know, I have to trust you, there's something wrong in Men in Black. You know, he doesn't want, he wants her to keep it a secret.
2: hmm So he hands her off this, uh, Looks like a piece of rock candy with uh, hieroglyphics on the various uh, facets of uh, points on it.
0: And you know, H or yeah, M. The um, M doesn't reveal this to anyone, and then they go back to MIB headquarters. And T, the boss of that headquarters, is like, "Oh, we got to figure this out. We got to figure this out." And then you know, let's give me the weapon, and um, you know, we need to uh, figure out what to do. And what happens after that, Krista?
1: Wait, no. So like what happens is like like because of the fact that the alien got killed that they were supposed to be guarding, they're like, why shouldn't like I like like C suggests like we should terminate both of these agents and neuralize them basically? And and uh uh T T is like, give me one good reason why and uh M goes because there's a mole in MIB because only a few people knew where he was. So clearly someone in MIB like told his location. Um, and so then they get away scot-free because of that. Um, and then, so like, then it's like this weird, like, they try to set it up as like C being the mole, but it like never really convinces you. Cause like you don't always know whoever they are setting up as supposed to be the bad guy is never the bad guy like it was never a, a twist but the thing uh, is
2: yeah at this point i knew who the mole was
1: yeah but see the thing is there's no there's not enough characters in MIB that we like are important that it's a guessing game like there was only the options of it being c of it being h or of it being t <laughs> those were the uh, only three options and it was it wasn't going to be h cuz he's one of the main characters you know
2: it mm-hmm. wasn't going to be speech. And I was telling myself, if they go with the stupid plot twist that Molly was actually neutralized and she is the alien,
0: I don't give a shit. I'm walking out. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, I, I, it's kind of one of those things where, like, C was just kind of annoying, but, like, okay, like, there's not many of the people, but there's, like, there's both too many characters and not enough characters that you care. It's like okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh huh. So they start to investigate what the thing is, and um, or how they get to the desert. Or no, they went to go back to pawn to to the place where they found it, um, where the adventure starts, and that's when they find uh, with a character called they name Pawnee. And it's a, this little alien creature that is, like, part of the Queen set. And he was the only survivor. He's the only witness. And um, I actually really like Pawnee. I thought it was going to be annoying, but he was cool.
1: I actually oh love God. Pawnee. He's hilarious. He's, yeah. like, the comic um, relief character. And he's, like, a good comic relief character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: And he's useful. And the character's useful, too.
0: Yeah. Um, Pawnee, Pawnee is Kumali Najan. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but you know, he's, he's pretty good in this. Um, and Mm -hmm. I was really worried it's going to be like the great kazoo and Flintstones and just like overtake the movie and just be really annoying. But he stole the movie and made it better and he wasn't Mm -hmm. enough to make it like the focus. It was, it was a good third character.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then what, what happens the way they get to the desert is because, like MIB is swamping them because C is looking for the the uh, C is looking for the
0: the um, MacGuffin the MacGuffin the Mickey.
1: whatever the, the MacGuffin he's looking for the MacGuffin and and T calls them and is like this is not my operation get out of there and then they they just kind of like press a random button on the motorcycle and it like. Shoots them off into the random desert.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there was like this whole thing with the alien with the, the or I guess human that had an alien which was a um, must a, a beard or something. And I, I, that kind of alien thing, I felt like a lot of the jokes were a lot of visual gags that kind of went on too long. And that alien with the you know beard was just one of those jokes that just like I get it.
2: And these were the gags they've done in all three Men in Black. They're They're tired tropes of this series now.
0: Yeah, the the, the alien is not what you think it is. It's something else. And it's just like, all right, I get it. Everything is an alien or nothing's an alien or whatever. You know, it just kind of, it's not funny anymore. It's just kind of annoying.
1: Yeah. And that's only like relevant for like two scenes. So it's not really that important. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm, Exactly. There's no payoff to it. So they're in the desert and they try to figure out what to do. They actually have a fight amongst each other, H and M. M is kind of weird because I keep thinking about M and James Bond, but I know it's not the same M, but this, my brain does that.
1: <laughs> well, while they're in the desert, they, they set off, they like open this doohickey and reveal that it is a gun with a, with a super compressed star as its star source, and they shoot it on the low setting, and they create a giant cannon in the in the they created a giant cannon in the in the
0: desert yeah
1: canyon that's what i meant to say.
0: okay so now they're like okay what are we gonna do with this and then out of nowhere the little beard alien is like oh i i got it and then he got the thing and then went away and they're like how are we supposed to do with this now and they're like oh i know that guy works for this other alien that we know and she is a weapons dealer, and uh, we're going to, you know, go back to her place. And um,
1: and this weapons dealer is the one
2: that H... At some
1: point. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the one that they've built up a whole lot. Like, they built up a whole lot of stuff in this
0: movie, and it has very little payoff, if any. And I was actually thinking that this was going to be the alien that aged H... With earlier in the movie, but no.
2: Yeah, it's just a three-armed alien with a striped wig.
1: Yeah, Well, they also had, like, a super major cheat in this fight. They have, like, an extended fight sequence, which they lose horribly. And then the way they get out of it is because the alien that is Reese's Goonie is the alien that, that Molly met earlier in the mm-hmm. movie. Which, like, yeah. even, even a cheat that is foreshadowed is still a cheat
2: yeah 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 it was, it was clumsily handled, especially since they telegraphed it, because the minute you saw this alien, you go, "Hey, that's Molly's friend, all grown up."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um like they say, "Oh, you know, he sh- apparently Molly or M knows the language or remembers that they said something, and then she you know says that line and she mispronounces it, which is part of the clumsy act- aspect of this. And then like, what does that mean? And like, what it meant was like, oh, what did it mean? I forget. It's kind of weird.
1: It's like, oh, he's like, I will kill someone after
0: choosing in the most
1: gruesome
2: way possible. Possible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it would have been great if like we had had that character join the group after that, and then they had like, you know, him be like the tank of the group or whatever. Yeah, happen. it was just kind of pointless.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I would have liked it if that character would have said, "Oh, that means um, I owe you a life debt. When one day I will repay that life debt," and that would have made a little more sense, you know?
2: Yeah, but there was none of that. It's like, oh, hi Molly, bye Molly.
0: So they get back to the contraption, and then the MIB and T come by and stop at the right time for. Uh, you know, really convenient. The nebula creatures, which I don't know what they're called, and um, they're like, "Okay, we're back. Cool. Here, we saved you. Um, now, give me back the uh, thing."
1: So, like the moment, that moment when, when, when uh, Molly is handing over the the object to T, I'm like, "No, don't do it." Like, it's there's clearly something wrong in that moment.
0: And they get back to headquarters and everyone's celebrating. And it's like, I was thinking in my head, this better not be the end. Because if this is the end, this is bad, you know.
1: So so, so here's the thing that I actually loved about this. Is that the reason it immediately felt wrong is because this is a scene that is supposed to happen at the end of a movie. And it was way too early in the movie for it to be the end. So it feels wrong, not because of any... Reason besides the fact that we are trained by movies that scenes happen at certain moments, Mm -hmm. and
2: because it happened earlier, it felt wrong. Mm -hmm. It felt like okay, so the end, this is the beginning of the third act.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So I'm happy that the characters actually did recognize this, and they're not, you know, it wasn't something else that tipped them off. They're like, this isn't right, and they both recognized, yeah, this is not right. Something is happening, and uh, then H is like, "Let's go get the contraption back from the office." And then the person in the office is like, "That's not there." Which then, it's like, oh, obviously, it's not going to be there. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And then there's a moment where we get C and H on the same team, and they both realize that T is the bad guy, and and they're they're like going to work together on this, and they leave C behind so he can be the one to like manage if they f*** up. Um, because, uh, you know, H says, you know, if if we fail, then you have to tell them that I am f- the mole. Which was an interesting line.
2: Uh, and it came out of nowhere. I'm like, I was thinking to myself, okay, uh, why would you do that? Because there's a real mole you're assuming it's not C, you figure and it's so why are you covering for high T well, the
1: reason they give was like if if it if it's revealed that high T is the mole, then it will destroy men in black because he's the leader
2: uh well, the way this movie's going too late
1: <laughs> already
2: <laughs> happened
1: <laughs> yeah, well. There's still, H is still, like, not convinced. He's like, T is obviously the mole, but I know T, and I don't believe it. So he has, like, this internal conflict about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if they would have introduced more characters throughout the movie, and you get to know these characters, and you really, you know, have a huge selection of who have done it and who would have done it, it would have worked a lot better than it did here, you know?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for a movie that is so long, it really does so little it just wastes so much
0: time mm-hmm. so we, then we get a scene where it's like oh where did t go oh t went to um paris to the eiffel tower and you know oh we got to go over there so they go over there and um that's when m realizes that something is up with h because it repeats the same line over and over again about how things happened And it didn't work out. And that's when he realizes that he is neuralized. And we get like a cut back to the original scene where you see Agent T and Agent H. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently Agent T, for this whole time, was working with the nebula creatures or something. um, Or another creature, right?
1: So so here's the
2: thing. This was really
0: confusing.
2: Okay, what's
1: the thing is, T, as my understanding is because T had the file and could manipulate the file, he convinced H that the nebula creatures were part of the Hive. When they actually weren't part of the Hive, they were fighting the Hive and they wanted the gun to destroy the Hive. T was already part of the Hive. T was like taken over by the Hive and the Hive had been having their agents in um, Men in Black. So the hive knew everything Men in Black was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Basically, okay. What well, I
2: understand was, uh, or was, uh, or did High T get killed and he was replaced by an another by an alien who was part of the hive. Basically, so was, the uh,
1: hive, the hive takes over care
2: people from the inside.
1: So it's like still High T's original body, but it's no longer High T. It's at one point, that character was
2: a men in black
1: agent, but like for the duration of the movie, he's no longer that men in black dude. he's the hive dude
2: mm-hmm. that they should have explained that a little better. yeah, that was not explained well at all yeah, exactly and uh and then when they kill the nebula twins, it's like, oh, I guess then they we get this exposition. oh, I guess they were actually. Biting the hive, man! I face palmed in the theater. Yeah, I was like, "Oh god!"
1: It's like a movie that has good ideas but very bad execution of all those ideas.
2: Yeah, they needed a better editor.
1: Arguably, a better writer
2: too. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of but hey, uh, editors have saved a lot of poorly written movies. And poorly directed. And they've also trashed well-directed movies.
1: That's fair enough.
0: Yeah. Kind of editors are kind of the last line of defense in a movie. So getting back to the movie itself, you know, T then it, it gets like on top of the, the building or gets inside the, the awful tower and then opens up a portal, like a wormhole to the hive. And then H gets flown or H, no, M gets flown in there after she tries to fight and then H is fighting and she's like floating in the um, wormhole. And I was thinking when I saw it, it's like, Oh, that part wormhole is going to look good in 3d. So I'm glad that you confirmed that was, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then that was like the only good thing that I was like, that was good. (laughs) So then uh, Pawnee helps agent M in the wormhole and they get back and able to destroy T and, the hive that was coming out of the portal and now everything's safe and um h is now (coughs) o comes back and it's like oh everything's solved like yeah t was and then now you're going to be promoted and then now you're going to go back to mib um america and it's kind of a weird kind of ending there
1: well the thing is clearly setting up a sequel like it's not even an ending it's just like and now we're going to continue on, kind of a thing, because like it, it just ended on a weird note that is like open ended. Um, okay. um, the thing, the two things that I liked about the ending was one, we have this brief moment where like H is trying to get T to come back and T to like like fight the alien from the inside. And there's this brief moment where you see T recognizes H and it's like, like recognize it's like, it's like T is the character. They're not, not the alien. And then immediately afterwards M comes and kills T and like that rarely happens. It's usually one way or the other. It's usually the character is gone and we kill them or, or, the character is able to come back. It's rarely both. And I really like that they did that.
2: Oh, uh, that was probably motivated by the... Because uh, I don't know if you remember that Liam Neeson uh, gave an interview. God, it's been, what, almost a year now? And the internet came for his head, you know? yeah. They had petitions wanting him uh, digitally removed from this movie. Yeah. So There's... I wonder if this had anything to do with... Because his character seemed to not be in the movie as much as he needed to be.
1: Yeah. that That is a good point. Uh, and the other thing I kind of liked but which I think they're not going to stick with, I think they're going to reverse this in future movies, is that, that uh, you know, there there wasn't a big, you know, they didn't end up, like, in a romantic relationship by the end. But I don't think they're going to stick with that.
2: Oh, I don't even think there's going to ever be, I don't think there's going to be another Men in Black movie. I mean, that's fair enough. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this
2: did so poorly. I would be
0: surprised. And there's no post credit scene. I did stick around just for the heck of it. You know, there's nothing there. And there's no, like, it's one of the things I kind of forget about that back in the Will Smith days, every time he had a big movie release, he also had a big song release it. I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of miss that. Even the bad movies had good songs. And, like, Wild Wild West is a bad movie, but it had a good song. and Good song.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, they really needed a Big Willie song.
1: Yeah, really? The, the only thing that saved this movie from being a total disaster was how good Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth are.
2: Uh-huh, yeah. They're like, I mean, it's it's obvious why they cast them in, why they rebooted this and cast them in it. It's just a pity they didn't uh, utilize them. I mean, I don't know why. I'm sure there's a great Movie to be made on why this went sideways. <laughs> this this just the documentary looks like,
1: of why this.
2: Sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's not as bad as the Wolf of Well, not what's that? Um, I'm trying to remember the Bonfire of the Vanities. I mean, it's not that bad of a disaster, but it's well, box office wise, yeah, it is, but. Uh, artistically not quite there but it just this movie just looks like there's a movie about why it doesn't work
1: i think part of it it's very hard to articulate because it's distinctly the lack of something Mm -hmm. it's like you know like there's not that spark there's not that thing Mm And so so it's hard to really place, it's not like due to one mistake, it's due to a bunch of mistakes.
2: Yeah, and I'm sitting here going, and I can't believe this, is a, this movie was directed by the same guy who directed The Negotiator and Straight Outta Compton. Ooh, yeah.
1: It's like a movie
2: that should have been good, but wasn't. Yeah. I mean, this smells of uh, suit interference.
0: Yeah, I think that's why they did the international and um let's get some actually box office numbers here. Um right now estimation is that opening weekend it's made about twenty eight million dollars in the US for the weekend. Oh, and that is bad. So um budget is approximately one hundred and ten million and you could add another hundred or another two hundred for marketing. So and uh, but worldwide it's a uh, 73 million, and the worldwide total right now is at 102, so it's just about maybe you know no needs to make another 100 million to break even give or take, maybe another two to be successful. Yeah, a, a movie needs to make at least three times its budget
2: to break even because they also have to pay uh the theat- the theaters take
0: a cut. So it may still make some bank, you know, overseas. The problem is, it's such a busy market. The movie's coming out every week that it may not have time, because you know next week is Toy Story, which I'm going to assume is going to be a pretty huge hit.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if it's you go on. Okay, and you've noticed since uh, Rotten Tomatoes now have- scores are verified. I'm really starting to think. Dan Merle when he accused uh, studios of manipulating the Rotten Tomato numbers, because and he used Gaudi as an example. I'm starting to think almost all movies were being manipulated by bots on Rotten Tomatoes, because if you notice since the verification, none of these blockbusters have been getting
0: fresh ratings. None of them. I don't know, but... um. You know, it's it's not a atrocious movie. Yeah,
2: uh, Okay, it's tinfoil yeah, it's tin foil hat territory, I know, but it's it's also maybe it's just simply cause this has been a horrible, horrible summer.
1: Yeah, nothing really has been that good.
2: <laughs> yeah. The only thing I, mean, I really like this summer is Jim Jarmish's zombie movie.
1: Well, you know, I don't know if it's just the case that people don't go to matinees, but there were only like five people in the theater when
2: I went. And it was like the opening day of the movie. Yeah. There were a dozen at my screening.
0: And I went to early screening and that was full because that's an early screening and it's free. So, (laughs) um, but it's, you know, I think Jake might be right. They may not. You know, let's see if it has legs, if it keeps making money. And, and, you know, overall, you know, if it doesn't, then this might be the last Ben in Black movie. They may just convert it to be animated or something and just cut their losses at live action. I kind of think what Krista was saying that what it's missing is that, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it has its moments, but, like, it doesn't have, like, huge laughs. Like, it's like, okay, little chuckles here and there. It has its moments here and there. But it was like, I wasn't like laugh out loud, crying funny, you know?
1: It doesn't, it also, I think it like, it doesn't have heart. It doesn't have, it doesn't make me care that much.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very formulaic it took no chance it makes me think more
1: it it makes me think more about tropes than it makes me think about characters you don't want a movie making you think about plot points and tropes
0: Mm -hmm, exactly and the action was fine it wasn't you know it was it's a fine movie it's not terrible it's not the worst movie of the year or anything it's just disappointing i feel it should be better
2: and the worst it's not even the worst movie of this series that goes to the second one. Why don't you like the second one? <laughs> oh, the, 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 that, there's been so much done about it. Okay, first of all, it was, they had to completely come up with a whole new ending, because uh, they were, you know, that they were scheduled to shoot on the Trade Center the day of the attacks.
1: Ooh, I did
2: not know that. But so was Jackie Chan in a movie, and they were fighting it out over. They were fighting it out over who was going to film. So neither one was filming. So towers come down, and all of a sudden they're having to scramble. And they were. Well, you're going to meet the. You're going to meet the release date. You're going to meet the release date. And it was just oh, it was such a disaster. And it none of it worked. The whole movie dragged. Uh, there's one of those things I should have just walked away and came back a year later. And I think things w- and and audiences were bummed out, you know. And it was a terrible movie. They didn't salvage anything out of it.
1: They also retconned a lot. I was very annoyed by the fact that it was a whole thing about him being with his wife, and then they were just like, oh, yeah, they broke up. Like, what?
0: Yeah. And John Knoxville was just... <laughs> atrocious in this. I really don't like him at all in this movie. I, I, you know, as an actor, you know, yeah, he's just jackass, but, I mean, as an actor, ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, just in case you guys didn't know, you know, we're not big fans of this movie, Um, and, in fact, international. It's, we all gave it a six. Um, it's just... And we're we're all rounding up, by the way. We're not trying to be jerks. We're not trying to hate it. You know, we didn't absolutely hate it. There's a lot of issues here.
1: I mean, yeah, I went in wanting to like this movie. I just couldn't.
0: Uh, Yeah. Hey, I sat...
2: Hey, we all... We were professional. We sat through it.
0: So, um, some fun facts right now. The previous Agent M was... Michael Jackson. Ooh, didn't know that. And Pat uh, Patrick Warburg was the previous agent. T um, in Men in Black too.
1: I I uh, always wonder, like, like you know, there there are only really twenty six letters in the alphabet. There has to be more than twenty six agents. How do they deal
2: with that? Well, maybe there's an agent double A and a triple C. Also, also, I I
1: saw this movie with my friend, and she mentioned she was like, even though H got promoted at the end, she wanted that C to be promoted so he could be high C. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: yeah, that would have been perfect.
0: <laughs> they had high T, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was kind of, you know, I think they could have done a little more here. You know, I think we're all kind of, we're all kind of like, okay, this might be a fresh movie in the summer, something different. You know, we haven't had a Men in Black movie in like 10 years, almost. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of, mm-hmm. it's there. It's it's not terrible. It's just kind of mediocre. It's just, it's all right.
1: I wanted it to be good. I so badly wanted it to be good. <laughs>
0: good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because this has been such a lackluster summer, and it had all the ingredients. I mean, a good director, uh, pair great leads with uh, with chemistry, uh, a very funny sidekick character actor voice, and who's put out great performances. If you guys haven't seen The Big Sick, go, and I can't wait for Stuber.
0: Now, I kind of think uh, people may you know look back to Matt. Men- MIB 3 with a little more kindness because I really like 3 and um I think 3 is better in this. Mm-hmm. I did. I like 3 too. I oh, mean it just oh, kind of oh, goes, oh, goes to show it goes to
1: show you can't make a good movie by plugging in a bunch of objects that that you think make a good movie like just because you have a good director and a good good lead actors and and, and a Franchise that you think will will make people turn out like like all of, and you put in a formulaic like, plot, it doesn't necessarily make a good movie. Mm-hmm.
0: You exactly. have to like
1: actually care about the movie for mm-hmm. a reason other than to make money.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie seemed like it had no other purpose but to uh, grab cash.
0: Now this is a soft reboot. We kind of mentioned this before. Do you think they should have just gone all the way and just made it a complete reboot and just start everything from fresh? And I think that might have worked a little better, you know?
1: No, I mean, I don't think that... I think it's fine. It's just like in the same universe with different agents, which I think is a fine premise, uh, but they just didn't execute it well.
2: They just... Yeah, they just needed to uh, break the cycle and not rehash the first movie. To ever diminishing returns. Uh, the third one did that a little bit, not much. Uh, James Brolin was a nice addition, and mm-hmm. the and the time travel bit was in a was great. Spoilers. Uh,
1: like it would have been great, like because we have this really good setup of there's something wrong in Men in Black, and it turns uh, out to uh, just be one guy. But it would have been better if it was a systemic issue. If it was, you can't trust anyone.
2: Oh, yeah, like the Hive is Hydra. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Soldier did the same thing a hundred times better. Okay, so I guess that's a wrap for this uh, review for MIB International. It's not a terrible movie. It's just kind of there. And, um, yeah, it's not, you can probably just wait to rent it. Watch it on Netflix or something. You don't need to go to theaters for this. Mm-hmm.
2: You don't, don't need to. Mean, it's it. not a theater movie, <laughs> you know. If it's on TV, you watch it. <laughs> go see the third one. You know, read it, stream it.
0: Now, I think the comics are like very dark and gritty, and you know that might be a way you could, you know, remove this and make the Men in Black scary. You know.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of go back to the source material. Because, like. When you think
1: about, like, none of the men in black movies really explore that in depth. How crap <laughs> it is that there's a concept of, like, a secret society that, like, deals with aliens and just <laughs> wipes people's minds whenever it's inconvenient to them.
2: Yeah, and they could also kind of borrow some of the stuff from the TV show UFO.
0: All right, so that's uh, basically it for us. Um, Again, 6 out of 10 for all of us. And, uh, you know, it's all right, 3D. It's not terrible. It's just meh. So uh, that's it for us. Bye. Bye. All right. Before this podcast ends, I want to give a thank you to my patrons. Right now we have one patron, which is David from Spain. And I want to thank you for your financial support. All right. So that's going to be it for this podcast. We now have a Patreon.
2: and The link is in the description.
0: Uh, Thanks for watching. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They don't put it everywhere. Just look for us, 3D or 2D. And, of course, review us on iTunes. And if you want to write us a letter, um, our email address is email3dor2d at gmail.com. So that's going to be it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye, everyone.